Welcome to another fantastic episode of Parsha Podcast. We welcome listeners from four countries this week. Hi, Avery. And I want to thank all our listeners around the world for tuning in, for subscribing, your feedback. We're continuing to evolve and grow and make this podcast the best Parsha podcast out there. Without further ado, let's get into it. This week's Parsha is Chaye Sarah. Life of Sarah ironically starts off by discussing the death of Sarah. And we're going to get into that right away. So in the source sheet, right on top of the page, the first two psukim, the first two verses of the parsha can be found. By Yehu Chaye Sarah, Sarah's lifetime, the span of Sarah's life, came to 127 years. Sarah died in Kiryat Arba, now Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham proceeded to mourn for Sarah and to bewail her, as would any loving husband. Okay? Pretty straightforward. Now, today we're going to dive right into the spiritual meaning of these last few words here, the death of Sarah in Kiryat Arba Hebron, and Avram's bewailing and mourning her death, and the implications that has for our own relationships with our bodies, with our physical selves, um, and in general, in the struggle between spirituality and physicality, the tension that exists between the spiritual and the physical. There are many different approaches in the world dealing with the tension between the spiritual and the physical, religions, different philosophies, ranging from one extreme to the other. Judaism has what I believe is a unique approach to this tension, existential tension. Everybody who is trying to live a spiritual life in a physical world will feel. Here we go. Next quote is a teaching from the Zohar. I've paraphrased and summarized because the Zohar's language is a little bit abstract. The Zohar says that Sarah alludes to the body, Avraham alludes to the soul, Kiryat Arba alludes to the four elements, the four basic elements of creation, fire, water, air, and earth. That's Kiryat Arba 4, the four alludes to the four. Hebron alludes to the Hebrew, in Hebrew, connection of these four elements in the body. So the death of Sarah is the um, disassembly or dismantling of the four elements as they coexist in a human being who is a soul invested in a body, death is the kind of uh, uncoupling of all those elements that come together to create a human being. And then Avram proceeded to mourn for Sarah and to bewail her is, so basically Avram refers to the soul, Sarah refers to the body. The soul is mourning the body because even after death, the Zohar says, the soul retains a connection to the body and it mourns the loss of that connection in its fullest sense, the full integration of the soul and the body is being mourned by the soul after death. Now, we'll get into this in a second. I just want to point out one more thing before we start discussing and analyzing. Last week, we discussed the story of Ishmael, how Sarah was not entirely thrilled with Ishmael's behavior, and she encouraged Avram to send him out of the house. Avram wasn't such a fan of this. He wanted to keep him in the house, have a positive influence on him. Sarah was, was more hard, hard line. Hashem tells Avram, this is the next quote here, do not be distressed over the boy or your slave. Whatever Sarah tells you, do as she says, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be continued for you. So then he sends Ishmael out. The point here is, I want to make the point that building on what the Zohar describes as Avram being the soul and Sarah being the body, this last week's verse will have a really, really radical meaning. Basically, it means God is telling the soul when you experience tension between the soul and the body, the spiritual and the physical are pulling you in different directions. Who should you follow? Sarah. Sarah, Sarah is referring to the body. So basically, okay. according to the Zohar, according to the Zohar, if you go back to last week and you read 
this line in last week's parsha, the implication is that in any tension between soul and body, the resolution is follow the body, which seems to be completely wrong. How, how is that the proper religious spiritual approach? Uh, as a very, very, very simple elementary example, your body would like to sleep in, your soul wants to go to shul. It's 6 30 in the morning. What do you do? Listen to your body. Here, source in the parsha, sleep in. Maybe it's like a hierarchy of needs kind of thing. So what does that refer to? So in, in what sense? Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right, right. So like you have to first attain a certain physiological basis before you can like achieve spiritual something, elevation. Mm -hmm. Like you can't dove in, you have to go to the washroom. Right. No? Right. Also, so like, like, like a more extreme example is you're allowed to, for instance, you're allowed to break Shabbos for medical emergencies, right? right. So if you are bleeding out, right? right. It's not like, oh, it's Shabbos, I can't do it, I can't carry, like, you're not going to, I can't, like, go to the hospital, it's Shabbos. No, you're, you're bleeding out, listen to your body, right? <coughs> that's a very extreme example, but mm -hmm. I think, like, that's, that might be where it applies. Well, we're Jewish, we like extremes. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so you think this this might not be as radical as it seems? Maybe. Maybe there's a place, because there's a time, sort of like you said, on the spectrum of needs, there's, there's a time for focusing in on the body and putting the soul and hanging on, wait a second, we'll get to you later. Not right now. Right now you've been... The word? Uh, superseded. Superseded, thank you. By the needs of the body. Great word. Okay. Um, so in those cases, fine. But what about other cases? How would this make sense in other cases? If you know... Your body's in good shape. Everything's fine. You're healthy. Like you said, those are kind of extreme examples. On a regular day, body's fine. Gone to the washroom. You've eaten something. Body's still not interested in spirituality. <laughs> There's still the tension. And again, you're telling me that to resolve the tension, the, the, the struggle between Avram and Sarah, between body and soul, flat out rule, not qualified in any way. Flat out rule. Whatever Sarah tells you, do as she says. Total obedience. Just follow the body. Why not? So... In order to get at this, in order to really uh, grasp the, the revolutionary idea here, I'll introduce another idea. And we'll come back to this. Or after we introduce idea number two, we'll resolve idea number one. And this goes to the general perspective that we have on materialism, physicality, um, from a Jewish spiritual perspective, what is the place, what is the role, what is the purpose, what is the identity of the physical? Body, money, ego, all kinds of, you know, personal needs and wants, and so on and so forth. So we're going to zoom ahead to the next book of the Torah. In the book of Shemot, there's a verse that reads as follows. Exodus 23, 5. When you see the donkey of your enemy lying under its burden, and would refrain from raising it, you must nevertheless raise it with him. This is a mitzvah that we have assist animals who are being overwhelmed by their burdens. You see a donkey lying on the ground with the packages weighing it down. Even if it's somebody that you don't like, even if it's somebody who might be your enemy, the Torah tells us that we have an obligation to help out the animal and uh, whether it means lifting some of the packages off it, helping the animal get back on its feet, whatever it takes. Simple moral obligation. You see an animal that's completely overwhelmed by its burden, you help the animal out, even if it's the animal of your enemy. So simple on the surface, meaning that that's, that's all there is. Baal Shem Tov, founder of the Hasidic movement, who lived about 300 years ago in Poland and Ukraine, taught a very spiritual approach to Judaism, 
had a very deep way of reading this line here, which seems to be a very simple you know, animal rights and uh, humanitarianism commandment. He had a much deeper perspective on this commandment. He taught as follows. When you see chamor, when you see a donkey, which means you carefully examine your chomer, which is Hebrew for materiality, materialism, in other words, your body. The word chamor and chomer are, are very closely related. One means donkey, one means materialism. This is how he read it. Not only does it mean when you see a donkey, but he says when you see your materialism, which, broadly speaking, is your body, then you will see your enemy, meaning your chomer, your body, hates your divine soul that longs for godliness and the spiritual. They're at odds with each other. There's tremendous tension between your body and your soul. They are completely not on the same page. By the way, I want to point out, sometimes a person experiences this tension between the body and the soul and beats themselves up for it. You give yourself a hard time. The fact, there's a part of you that's interested in spirituality. There's a part of you that's interested in Judaism. And there's a part of you that could not, be, could not care less. And when you, when you observe that in yourself, sometimes, I know, on rare occasions, people give themselves a hard time for this phenomenon. They beat themselves up. They, they call themselves dirty names. If I was such a good Jew, I would never be in such a state. It wouldn't be such a struggle. It wouldn't be so hard. I don't know what you're smoking, but that's complete nonsense. Every human being on this earth, with rare, rare exception, experiences this kind of struggle, this kind of tension. It is completely, completely normal and to be expected. And there's no sin in experiencing this tension, experiencing the struggle, the only sin would be um, to not do anything about it and to allow it to dictate the policy and say, well, if you're not interested, I guess we're not going to go to shul forever. That would be something to feel guilty about, to feel ashamed about. But to feel ashamed about the fact that you do have tension, you do have struggle, and sometimes you're interested and sometimes you're not, that, that would be shame about being a human being. And it's completely inappropriate. And usually what that shame does, it makes you less likely end up doing the mitzvah it makes you a little bit more depressed. It, suck, it robs you of your motivation and inspiration. And it's completely unproductive and just another trick of the Yetzirah. So no value in it. And you just have to recognize what it is and laugh it off. So the body is the enemy, at least at the outset, beginning of the process of spiritual growth. The body is definitely not on board. And furthermore, it's lying under its burden. Burden placed upon it, upon the body by Hashem, namely that it should become refined through Torah and mitzvot. The whole idea is that Torah and mitzvot will make the body a little bit more refined, a little bit more spiritual, a little bit less selfish, turn the person into a, a holier being. The body is lazy to fulfill them. And so it's lying down under the burden. It's too heavy. The body is crying and saying, no, 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 no. You want me to do all these things? I can't. I'm not, I'm not, it's not for me. It may then occur to you that you will refrain from helping it. You might think, eh, it's my enemy, it's not for me. Somebody else deal with it. This is my enemy. My, my approach to my enemy's donkey. Both in the literal sense and also here in the figurative sense. My approach to my body as my enemy will be that um, to enable it to, to fulfill its mission, you will refrain from enabling it to fulfill its mission. And instead, you will follow the path of mortification, of suffering, of the flesh to break down the body's crass materiality. What are you going to do? The body's not in the mood. You punish the body. Fast. You don't eat well, you don't sleep a lot, and you hope that if I do this enough, the body's resistance will break down, it will stop being such a strong opponent of my spiritual life, and if I teach the body a lesson, so to speak, and I take away its stubbornness, it'll be more pliant, it'll be more obedient, more flexible, and then the soul will be able to do what it wants. 
So you, you might think, when you observe that the body is your enemy, you might think that the solution is, beat it up. You don't want to help it. However, not in this approach. The light of Torah reside. Rather, you must aid it. Purify the body, refine it, but do not break it by mortification. At the time that the Baal Shem Tov taught this, this was a revolutionary teaching. It may still be revolutionary today. Possibly. But certainly then, it was very, very common in religious circles to do this exact path of treatment to the body. As part of your spiritual work, you are to sleep less. As part of your spiritual work, you are to fast every now and then, beyond the fasts that are mandated in Judaism. Personal fast. There were even people who took it to an extreme. They would go in the forest and lie among the, the beetles and the bugs and have them crawl all over them just to disassociate themselves from their bodies, right? That if you punish the body, the body is going to just not be such an obstacle anymore. The more you weaken the body, the more you afflict the body, the body becomes less of, a, of an obstacle. You're really not liking this idea. Good. Well, Shantou didn't like it either. No, I just think it's weird that you would lie with bugs crawl over you because well, it's the same thing as like being dead. Well, in a sense, that's what these guys were hoping for. They were very sincere. They really wanted the body to stop obstructing their service of Hashem. What are you going to do? I'll just make it weaker. I'll just make the body less healthy, less viable. Not, not to the point of death, but you know, maybe a, a percentage of that. The point where like, you can't help your friend move. The point where you can't help your friend move. But to the point, they were hoping to reach the mm -hmm. point where they'll just be able to, you know, Straight into davening, no, no tension anymore. And straight into learning Torah because there's no tension. Straight into acts of kindness. There's no, there's no ego, no selfishness. You beat it out of yourself. That was, that was an approach. All Torah and no avoda. Well, they were trying for, for all the Torah and all the avoda, but without yeah, the, but you can't do avoda without the integrated. You can't do avoda if your vessel isn't healthy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, it made sense to them at the time. Vashem Tov came along and said, no, 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 no. It's not the way to do it. There's definitely tension. Not denying that there's obstruction and that, again, at least at the outset of a person's spiritual path and maybe for a long time after on some level, there is an obstacle placed in the way of spiritual growth by way of the body. All the body's wants. Going from as simple as I'd rather stay in bed to more subtle obstructions that the body and the ego and everything physical sort of selfish places in the path of a person trying to grow spiritually. Mm -hmm. But while we acknowledge that tension, we also don't advocate that the path to resolving that tension is by obliterating the body. Baal Shem Tov is saying, basically, in a nutshell, the body is not the enemy you think it is. It might be giving you a hard time. Fundamentally, if you're looking at the long-term picture, you're going to get through this by purifying the body, by helping the body appreciate what you're doing, refining the body, getting the body on board in a cooperative way, not in a combative, I'm going to knock you out way. In a win-win way, as, sort of, as opposed to a win-lose way. You don't want to have that the soul wins and the body loses. What you're looking for is that the soul wins by helping the body along its way also. In other words, the body also wins. The body sees that this is the way to go. And going from here, we want to go into um, just a couple of stories, actually, to illustrate this idea that the, the goal of our spiritual work is to integrate it with the body, not have it conflict and, and in, in the state of conflict, you just have to explode the body. We want to actually integrate everything with the body. So here's a story from the Talmud. It's actually an excerpt from a much longer story. 
is a story where during the time that the Romans had sieged Jerusalem, leading up to the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash and the temple and the conquering of, uh, of Israel, the rabbis who were still in Jerusalem were struggling with the, uh, what they were called Biryonim, were uh, radicals who wanted to have an all-out violent confrontation with the Romans. The rabbis were advocating a little bit more uh, safe and was a bit of a stalemate. And this is all going on while the siege is happening. Long story. Anyway, one of the rabbis makes his way outside of the sieged city of Jerusalem and has a conversation with Espesian, who was the general at the time. Now, while they're talking and negotiating, here's the story. In the meantime, as they were talking, a messenger arrived from Rome and said to him, to Vespasian the general, Rise, for the emperor has died, and the noblemen of Rome plan to appoint you as their leader and make you the next emperor. You are now effectively king. You gotta go. At that time, Vespasian was wearing only one shoe, for whatever reason. When he tried to put on the other one, it would not go on his foot. He then tried to remove the other shoe that he was already wearing, but it would not come off. He said, what's this? And he had a rabbi right in front of him. So he asked the rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, said, what's going on? Well, what's with the shoes here? So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said to Vespasian, do not be distressed or troubled, for good tidings have reached you. You just got the news that you're the king. That's good news. What happens when you hear good news? As it is written, good tidings make the bone fat. Proverbs 15.30. He said, literally, this has happened to you. Your feet have grown fatter out of joy and satisfaction. So Vespasian said to him, okay, that's a nice explanation. Now what do I do? What's the remedy? How do I get my other shoe on? So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh told him, have someone with whom you are displeased come and pass before you. As it is written, a broken spirit dries the bones. So he did this. And his shoe went on his foot. That's the story that we wanted to... Here's a story where a person had a internal... This case was more of an emotional experience, not so spiritual or religious, but same idea. An internal experience literally had an impact on their body. Literally had a physical impact on their body. Our goal with our spiritual approach is along these lines. We're not trying to choose one path to the exclusion of the other. It's not all spiritual or all physical. It's spiritual, sure, dominating. The values of spirituality have to dominate, but... Oops. It's emotion sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. dominate in an integrated way so the body comes along for the ride. In Tanya, basic book of Chabad philosophy, there's a quote brought in from Midrash. And the Midrash says that the reason that God created the world in the first place is because he had this deep desire for a home in the lowest possible world. In other words, typically we might think of God as being all spiritual. Midrash says God actually wanted to have a place to live, so to speak, the physical world. What it means that God has a place to live obviously doesn't mean a house with a roof and a kettle and some flowers on the table. Home is a place where you are completely self-expressed, free. Right? When you go out in society, you have to constrain yourself in certain ways, some scenarios more than others. Right? He's going off to a business conference soon, he's going to be really constrained, not going to be very self-expressive. Other, other scenarios, you might be able to express yourself a little bit more. But when you get home, that's when you can really let your hair down Literally and figuratively. So the idea of Hashem having a home in the world is that Hashem can be at home in the world, fully expressed, fully revealed, but in the physical world. And the, the most radical, the most complete integration of the highest, the most deepest spirituality, God Himself, 
beyond even spirituality, with the physical, which is most antithetical to which is spirit. But suffice for now that the goal of creation is that there should be a complete blending, a complete unison, complete unity between the physical and the spiritual. And so on a personal level, that's expressed by you not beating up your body, rather by integrating your body along with your spirituality. So that whatever you're doing in, in spiritual terms has a positive effect on your body, not in rejection of your body. And for everybody, this is a journey that is you know, complex and detailed and different. You have to, it, it, this is not about physical health of the body per se. Exercise is good and all that. This is about the attitude you have towards the physical in your life, your body and your soul being integrated in the approach that you're having with all your observers. You know, another example might be there are natural tendencies, natural characteristics that a person has, right? that you're wired a certain way personality-wise. You have a drive to do certain things or, or in, be, live in a certain way. Like type A. Perhaps, yeah, something like that. Or whatever you know, talents you might have, and so on. The ultimate goal is that all those personality traits that you have and the talents that you possess should be harnessed and blended with your spiritual service of God. You should not exist in the exclusion, to the exclusion of your spiritual path, of your service of Hashem. You need to be integrated with that. So the question then becomes, how do I integrate my personality, my talents, in my spiritual life, my service of God. I want to leave them at the door to shul. I come into shul. I'm a type A person in shul. How do I bring my type A person to Hashem? I'm a type B personality. How do I bring my type B personality to Hashem? Right? I'm an artist. I'm an engineer. I'm a computer programmer. I'm an accountant. How do I bring my accountancy to Hashem? And so on and so forth. Bottom line is, the question that, that comes out of all this is that whatever exists in your body, whatever exists in your physical self, or your selfish self, less spiritual part of you, animal soul, your ego, etc. It all needs to be brought into the picture. And this is what the lesson is from, from go back to the first line here in, this, on, in our study here. That what does it mean that Avram is, is mourning Sarah? It means he's mourning, he realizes, soul realizes that the ultimate purpose is to integrate spirit and matter. And so death means that opportunity has been taken away from you. Right? You don't have the opportunity anymore. Now you're just a soul. You lost the chance. It's over. You, for now. To integrate and make this process happen both in your own self and the world around you. So Avram, as a soul, is mourning the death of that. He's mourning not necessarily a liberation for him. It's ah, over. Shoot. And the same thing. When we read that line from last week's parasha, and it says... That whatever Sarah tells you, you should do as she says. The idea there is, don't ignore the body. You have to take cues from the body. Ultimately, you have to, of course, dominate the body with its spiritual values. You can't obliterate the body. You can't ignore the body. You need to follow the body. When Mashiach comes, the ultimate time to come, this will come to its fullest potential. Where it says that ultimately, instead of now the, the body being enlivened, getting life from the soul, actually in the times of Mashiach will be the other way around, the soul will get life from the body. Fundamentally, the body actually comes from a much higher spiritual place than the soul does. The soul comes from a place of spiritual experience. The body stems essentially from a place of Hashem's essence. 
Wasn't like the bot wasn't Adam and Eve's body created from like earth or something? Yeah, yeah. In terms of the root spiritually, where the evolution, where everything has a spiritual root. Everything starts off as an idea in God's mind, so to speak. Mm. Where is the root? Where is the beginning of the idea of a physical body? That begins in a much deeper place than the idea of a soul. And so right now we don't always experience it that way at the outset, but that's the goal. So that's what the Bashanav is teaching us. Don't only judge it by what you see right now. Look at the big picture. In the big picture, body is not your enemy. Body needs to be maybe trained, body needs to grow up, body needs to get it. Fundamentally, you're going to coach the body along to the point where at the end of time, the body is going to be leading the soul. Mm. And that's the goal. That's the goal. The so, body will get it so well, the body will transcend and go beyond what the soul can do in terms of spiritual service and, and spiritual awareness and connection to Hashem. Body's like the anchor, keeping the soul on earth. Sometimes the body feels like the anchor weighing you down. And, but it's still but yeah, the, the body is the housing for the soul on earth. The, the spacesuit that allows the soul to, to work on earth. But even more than that, the body has capacity for its own spiritual experience that goes way beyond what the soul can do. We'll realize that fully when Mashiach comes. Right now, our job is to not obliterate the body and to work together with the body on the way to spiritual enlightenment and connection with Hashem. This is Rabbi Moshe Goldman. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Please send your feedback, thoughts, critique, and any kind of good wishes to rabbi at uwaterloo.ca. Also visit us at jewishwaterloo.com.